0: Hey, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Full Life. Today, we talk about how we monitor and filter what our children are seeing and what their influences are. I think that's something that affects every parent at some point, so we'll talk about it today.
1: Different Christian perspectives coming together to have important conversations about our faith and help you live in the fullness of life God wants for you each and every day. This is is The Full Life with Joseph Mancuso, Carolyn Pankella, Hank Johnson, and Jenny Stivale. Come join the conversation
0: and welcome back to another episode of the full life and thank you so much again for joining us if you're new to the show this is the show that wants you to experience the fullness of life that god has for you every day and we do that by really refining our faith together and really talking about some of the issues of the day that might be you know intersecting at in faith and culture and how we deal with those things Today will be no different as we talk about how, as Christian parents, we monitor and filter what our children see. As always, we want to invite you to follow us and like, share, interact with us online, whether it be through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and our audio podcast. Please engage with us so that we may further engage with you and your faith. And of course, we always start every show with an encouraging word so today's will come from hank
1: the psalms these ancient songs um over centuries old are so powerful that the spirit lives in them and because the spirit lives in them these words of these ancient singers um can become our own so not only do we find everything we're feeling in the Psalm, but we can sing them as our own prayer. Um, A modern example of this actually comes from a a band that a lot of people love, U2. Um, They have a song called 40. And in that song, literally what um, Bono does is take the very first two or three verses of Psalm 40 and write them into a song. And I find it ironic and also funny just that like most U2 fans, this is one of the songs they love. And I wonder how many of them go back to Psalm 40 when they hear that song. And I think they don't need to because that's the power of the Psalms, right? Like you 2 writes the song, but really it's just reiterating what David had sang before. And what's important about those verses, it says this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and many will put their trust in him. What I love about Psalm 40 is this reminder that our work is to wait on the Lord. And for some of us, that might be for future or health or career or family or children or friends. Or There's a lot of Christians who've been praying for a long time for a lot of things, but David counts on God being his deliverer. And I love that all David says is that, our job is to wait on the Lord. And if we're willing to wait on the Lord, no matter what we feel or what we're going through, we can trust that God, who's our deliverer, is the one who will meet us in the slimy pit and pull us out of the mud and mire, is the one who will set our rock on the, the rock that is Jesus, that'll give us that firm place to stand. But then, because we know this about our God, that's why we should sing these new songs, right? That's why we should live to tell the great things that God has done, because that's how people come into the kingdom. So I don't know what you're waiting on the Lord for today, but know that he hears your prayers, know that he stoops down to hear your cry, and know that he's pulling you out of that pit, but also know that he wants to set your feet on the rock of Jesus, and he wants you out there singing new songs. So whether you're a YouTube fan or not, or whether you're a David fan, who's the original songwriter of blues and gospel and praise, um, today you can wait on the Lord patiently, for he's your deliverer who will lead you out. Thank you, Hank. I love that. The original
0: songwriter, David. And now let's turn to today's discussion. Our topic today, it's really about a broader discussion about how or where do we draw the line and how do we filter or monitor what our kids are doing as Christian parents to build their their self-esteem, to build their faith, to mold them. We'll start with what the current sort of controversy or discussion that I've heard about is, and that's about the movie Turning Red, the new Pixar movie. And let me read to you some of the things that people have been saying. Um, the, The beginning says, honor your father and mother is the name of the game in the house, but you know, sometimes you, if you go overboard, you forget to honor yourself. There's scenes of chanting and worshiping ancestors. There's uh, a comment of my panda, my choice. Um, some scene with glowing red eyes on ancestors, um, and then a, a, a comment which uh, is, is says, "I like boys. I like I like loud music. I like gyrating. I'm 13. Deal with it." Uh, which I, I feel like you'll hear anyway. But let's talk about some. Of, let's talk about some of those things first. I wanted to say that. I think that this movie tackling, if you're not familiar, this movie tackles a, a a woman or a young woman entering puberty. So the red panda in the story is a metaphor. So I uh, actually applaud uh, the the ability to try and encapsulate that in a movie because this is something that every single girl goes through in their life. I don't dislike the fact that they tried to have a movie that dealt with this issue that every kid deals with. I think that's a good thing. What the the chanting and the ancestors and that type of concern, that didn't really bother me nearly as much only because I can contextualize that in that they're showing Chinese culture. That's part of Chinese culture. And I can clearly tell my kids, that's not our culture. That's not our belief. I can sort of dissect that out. What to me was the more, maybe more of concern, or I understood the concern was the sort of spirit of rebellion that was really through the movie, which I'm not sure is beneficial.
2: Let's just admit, and I, I should say, I don't want to sound old, but let's just admit at our generation, I was I was definitely rebellious, but it wasn't anything compared to what you hear kids say to parents today. and I, And I know that just sounds so like, In my day, kids didn't talk like this to their parents, you know, and you can say that about our generation, like the older, you know, people that were older when I was a kid would say the same thing. And so there's something to be said for that. But I do think there was an overall acceptance of kids just being totally disrespectful to parents and to authority. And I do think media influences that. Um, John Bevere, who we've had on the show here, said something very interesting once. He said, I have no problem allowing my kids to see films with violence you know, romantic scenes, even, you know, I mean, they, they, they draw, you know, lines and stuff, but he said, I won't let them watch Disney, the Disney channel, the disrespect you see these kids on the Disney channel. They always talk about how stupid their parents are. And it's always kind of revolved around these kids are so much smarter than their parents. And I, you know, I remember thinking, it. you know, that took me back. Cause I mean, my kids, I let my kids watch Disney. I never thought about it, but then when I did, I thought, you know, There is something to be said. Now, that doesn't mean that just because your kids watch Disney Channel, they're going to be disrespectful because I feel like my kids, you know, are very respectful. If you're not aware of that and you're just letting your kids watch, I think there, I mean, our media television is, it spells it out. Tell a vision, you know, you're telling people how to behave and how to think and what to do. And it's harder for parents because they're, they've got double battle. Um, because it's being reinforced by society.
1: So I think the interesting thing about this is that every parent um, or most parents, we can generally say, wants the best for their children? Um, they're going to make the best decisions they feel like for their children's um, betterment. Um, I think the the listening to those comments, though, it also speaks to how much of a hot button culture we are. You know, so I'm wondering how many of those people actually watch the movie. Right. Um, because the the analogy kind of breaks down. Like, so if you say this is about a girl's time of year or time of growing into womanhood, it breaks down because if you watch the movie, you'll see that her mother still has this dragon inside of her. And really the movie isn't necessarily about like, it's it's not growing to womanhood as in, as involves physically as much as maturing as a person? And what does it mean to get through expectations? What does it mean to have family pressure on you? What does it mean to be a woman in a changing world, right? Um, and, And so I think that we have to be very, very mindful in some of these things because... I watched it with my girls, actually. What this movie actually tells me is that it's more important for you to not trust Disney than to trust yourself, right? Like, it's important that no matter what you try to control, your kids are going to be exposed to things, that you establish relationships where you have clear conversations and you're able to talk things through and not letting the TV guide them, right? Um, But then it's also probably even more important, I think, to realize that our perspectives on this stuff matters, right? I love Disney because it helps me teach the story of God, right? Like, So when I talk to my kids, and I've been doing this for 15, 20 years now, right? Like, I think what makes stories good is that if they're able to point back to God, right? So for example, what's a better story than a father who will do anything to bring his child home? That's finding Nemo, right? What's a better story about leaving the old self and just wanting to be your new creation again? That's Beauty and the Beast. You know? What's a better story that you know we are who God says we are, not even who we see ourselves, as Mufasa saying that the Simba, as remember who you are, and essentially remember whose you are. So for me, this is perspective. You know, like you can look at it as the enemy, you can look at it as the big bad world corrupting my kids. And and part of it is probably that too. But to me, the, the key part of it it is one, choose wisely how and where you want your kids to interact, right? Cover it all in prayer because no matter what you do, they're going to get those outside things too. But make sure it's based on conversation and open door and you Ability to turn all those into Christ-like moments or Mm Christ-teachable moments. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key because if we just live in such a restrictive culture, like I don't see that in Christianity. Like I don't, I mean, I don't see that in the scriptures as much as I see that in Western Christianity, right? Where we just want to cover and protect everyone. Jesus seems to be willing to send us into the world and we as Christians in the West seem to be scared of the world, right? Like I think God loves this world more than we as Christians love the world. And I think we're actually more terrified of the world than... And than God is. God seems to be wanting to send us out into the world to be light. So for me, I think when it comes to these things and these quote unquote hot button topics, it's it's Do you have a relationship of openness and communication? Are you able to turn everything to Christ? And do you really think the message of God is more powerful than the message of Hollywood? And do you think that, like, you can protect your kids from the world, or is that God's job? You know? So I think all of these are questions you're going to have to consistently answer as well, right?
3: I know the power of television because after I lost my parents when I was young, this is going to sound crazy, but I watched Little House on the Prairie to see how a mother and a father lived and it's quite weird. If you met my husband, he sort of reminds you of the, the man on the, no Is of Manny? Um, like <laughs> just a Michael I oh Michael the,
2: Landon. Michael yeah, Landon yeah. of
3: his character. But I really do believe that I think that we do I am one of those parents that I'm really cautious of what I allow my kids to watch. Have we watched Disney stuff before? Yeah. But there is times my kids, we just talked about it this morning. And my daughter said, mom, I can't tell you how many times that you've stopped something. And I'll stop it right there and go, man, let's just get past this point. You know, this is just not cool. This isn't what we believe, you know, because and I do agree with the part that we are conditioning them to get used to because, I mean, my phone is blowing up from this movie. And it's funny. It's from Christians and non-Christians, which I think is quite Funny Mm -hmm. to me that it's not just Christian moms, but it's the whole thing, two things. It's about the lying because kids are so, if they watch other kids, they do learn that like, and they think it's cool because they make it look cool and they get away with it. So they want to try it. But the other thing they're just really bothered about is just the sexuality with a 13 year old. Mm -hmm. And that's really got people bothered because, you know, it's not legal. And you know, the Bible is very clear in Song of Solomon's that says, do not wake in love before it's time. I mean, you know, I can't argue with the scripture now, is that saying that we're not going to have feelings? No, but the Bible, you know, we're to rock it back to sleep. And so I think that, I think that there's just a balance act all the time as us don't. I mean, I think we're all saying that is just the balance act of what, what do I allow my kids to get out and experience the world? Because, they're heading out to school, whether it's a Christian school or a non-Christian school, it's all the same. <laughs> You're still dealing with human flesh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. Everybody, oh my kids are at Christian school. Oh, hey, listen, so are mine, <laughs> and I, I see the text. I'm, you know, I know what I'm dealing with. So, I, I think it's just back to us parents being involved. And really have I agree, it's having those conversations right there. And um, sure. but then I think there is times that we just have to say, you know what, we're going to make a decision that we're just not even going to put this in our spirits. And I'm going to say this, even as adults, I feel yes. like me as an adult, whether I'm a minister or not a minister, I am still the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. And be careful, little eyes, what you see, be careful, little ears, what you hear, it's so hard for me to take the world in and it not take root somewhere, sure. it not spur something. So
0: look, I work in Hollywood. We're all not in a back room going, How can we put satanic images into the film? Right. right. We're really just not.
3: I know
2: that's people. Just, think I that mean, but so somehow bananas.
0: that's presented. I Sometimes yeah. it's presented like they're all in a room and they're <laughs> chanting and putting sure. this into the movie. Now, I don't I don't negate that the, the uh, demonic spirit could be in some I don't know that I can't tell you that I you know but 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 so I understand spiritual warfare is real but I promise you we're not all in a room trying <laughs> right. to subvert the entire culture and I agree with you all that Disney this is not a referendum on everything that Disney's ever done right I, I don't think that's fair either uh, i think that what we all said was balance and so i want to talk about that balance now how do you draw the line so you if you go to proverbs and you guarding your heart and how do you guard the hearts how do you guard your minds and keep it fixed on god while still being uh, uh while still being going out into the world like you said hank and then part two to that is when i when i thought of when you were saying that hank was well the flip side of this is well, we're in the world, but not of the world. So how do you stay in the world but not of the world? You know, and and so that we're we're it's again this balance of the two things. And I just want to clarify that.
3: I got hey. a funny story about that. Well, it's because um uh, my kid's youth leader, he is phenomenal. And uh, one night he was teaching all these middle schoolers and high schoolers, and he was telling a story about that uh, there was this big fence, right? And there was this side and there was this side and there was, you know, Jesus's world and Satan's world and Satan's world was beautiful. I mean, they looked good. They were dancing, they were partying up and, you know, God's side was over there. Everybody was supposedly just beautiful and peaceful and just worshiping and all that. But they said, you've got to make a choice. And he goes, well, no problem. He was looking over at Satan's world. It looked pretty fun. And then he was looking over, but that looked awesome too, because it was family and it was love and joy. But he says, I got it. I'm going to sit on the fence. (laughs) And Satan came up to him and he said, oh, well, welcome in. And he goes, no, 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 no. He said, "Uh, I've tricked you all. I am on the fence. He said, oh, did nobody tell you that I own the fence too? Oh, wow. And you know, it's funny because it still hits my kids that the Bible says that you either be hot or cord, cold, because if you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And I think that, I think it's always that balance of really getting, and, and see, I have to tell you, it starts in my own life. I don't know about you as parents, but I figure I can't lead. They're watching my actions are speaking so much louder than my words. And, you know, I feel like that's the height of rebellion is when they see me sitting there telling them, don't do, don't do something. And yet I'm over there doing it myself. So I think we really, as Christ followers really have to try to, um, to follow that path and stay off of that fence as much as we can, you know? There's definitely a
0: responsibility factor of staying, staying, keeping our eyes fixed on God. I mean, that I think is pretty clear in scripture, that there is a responsibility to cling to God and cling to his word in some way. So
1: what's funny to me is that like, we're already in the world, right? Like, I think that we spend so much energy on christianizing the world that we realize that that we forget that our god our our work is to actually gospel of the world right like to share the kingdom like we're not meant to be building up these safe spaces where everything's protected and nothing ever comes out like that's not that's never there's nowhere in the gospel where it says raise your great Christian children to be Christian by having nothing to do with the world right and I think that's how a lot of people interpret in the world and not of the world it's like I got to protect um, and even our language that we use right it's like enemies and, and like those on the outside so for me like how do you be in the world and not of it is it's every day it's sacrifice and surrender right like we're in the season of lent right now it's like what are you doing every day? Is it for me and mine or is it for the kingdom of Jesus? Like, how am I living? Is it for me and mine to be built up or the kingdom of Jesus to be built up, right? Like, what what aspect of my own life, my hopes, my dreams, my gifts, my skills, my abilities, how am I using all those? And am I using them for me and mine or am I using it for the kingdom? Like, those are the questions you have to ask. And I think for most of us, we can wake up in the morning and ask that question, once to be good. But for some of us like me, that God's still working on, we have to ask that question 10 or 11 times a day right to keep us focused on it. Um, so yeah so for me I just I don't look at the world as my enemy I look right. at them as people who aren't saved. And I look at as people who actually need us, right because honestly Jesus is in heaven like that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is in heaven. like we believe He came in a physical body and he had a physical body resurrected. All that's left behind, right, with Jesus physically in heaven is is the spirit and the church, which is us, which is people. So if this world wants to know what God's love feels like, it's the spirit and the church. So I think that like, part of being in the world and not of the world isn't just living holy lives, but it's telling the story of Jesus, right? We've erred on the side of protection. Um, And I don't think that's what the kingdom looks like.
2: My message yesterday was kind of about this. I I did a part two to the Esther story. And I talked about how at the end of the story, it says, and many people um, converted to Judaism. And I said, you know, why did it take a tragedy? Why did it take near annihilation for them to convert? Why weren't we hearing those stories before? And the perspective I looked at is, What had happened to Judaism is in an attempt for the people to remain holy, they became reclusive and exclusive they became reclusive and exclusive. I mean, building, if you go into, you know, Jewish communities, a lot of times there'll be fences, like literal East Williamsburg, fences around the buildings, flat, you know, Flatbush and, and in, in New Jersey and Lakewood, the actual fences, dude, you can't come in. And if you drive through my area, I'm going to throw a car at you because it's, the sh- I mean, a car at you, a bottle at your car because it's a <laughs> Shabbat. Please don't, if they're throwing cars. I was
0: impressed. I mean, <laughs>
2: they're superheroes in their communities. They're throwing cars. Um, you know, but they forgot one of the things I taught about yesterday was that, The Jewish people were actually made holy specifically so that they would go and take the law as kingdom priests. In Exodus 19, it says, if you obey me fully, then out of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. But this is the next verse. Out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possessions, although the whole earth is mine don't forget this whole earth is mine it's not that you're so special and everything else is so icky and gross and dirty but that's what the mentality became he said you're a special treasure although the whole earth is mine and then he goes on to say you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and so the point of being holy is to go into the world not to Come out. I mean, I know we got that whole come apart, you know, come out from them and be holy. But again, the point of holiness, the point of being separate, because we have the same verse being given to the Christians that say you are a holy generation, royal priesthood no and know what we were never supposed to be a priest to just hide it to ourselves so that's where we for one we do have to be careful on the first side that we're just not like you're dirty the world is dirty I always think about that John three okay. sixteen. for God so loved the world I, I think of it differently Hank I think a lot of Christians mindset is for God was so disgusted with the world yeah. so overwhelmed with the world that he sent his only son because he was like oh my gosh you guys all right i'll fix it all you know and, and that's sort of how we see that we see our faith is supposed to be a faith of inclusivity and so it's important that we get that side first but it also is important to know where drawing lines for you are my thing is do you love the lord do, and and i think we get tripped up on the wrong things you can totally disagree with me
3: everyone's not going to have the same convictions and you know it's funny i just want to go back to just rewind just for one second because you know obviously where I mostly work is, is out there in the middle of, I'm F-bombed. I'm, I, 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 people are doing things right in front of me. To me, like, I don't find them bothered because I'm not F-bombing them back. I, I, I just need to let you all know that, like, I think that we live in this thing where I've got to be in the world, so I've got to be acting like them. No, if I did that, to be quite frank with me, they, they would look at me like, you aren't being you. And the reason why they love me is because I'm totally comfortable in my shoes, in my place, I'm confident in myself, but they know my heart that I love them. What they're looking for is love. They will know us by our love. And I think that we can be in the world and not be of it, that to me is what that scripture is meaning.
0: Well, I think that's the what we're doing here. I mean, I think that's yeah. how, where we we get down to what the word is saying and not what we hear about how what the word is saying. And that's, I mean, what I'm going to wrap it up, uh, our conversation talking about what everyone said in summary, because really that's why I brought up the spirit of rebellion at the beginning because of, of what we said, you know, guarding your heart. But it's really guarding your heart so that you hear God's spirit not so that you can't see anything of the world it, right. it, it's it's so you can hear your spirit as a parent and so you can be able right. to know where to go and what to see and what not to see or and, and where to go out in the world and where to where to be brave and and feel like no I should be saying the gospel how many of us want to go out and say the god now I know you guys do but how many people are going to stand in a park like Jenny, how many people are going to walk into a, a facility like you, Carolyn? You know, so so when we talk about, you know, the you know, guarding your heart, make sure you're not guarding it, as Hank said, not guarding it. So you're just setting up boundaries. And if you look at the Bible, there really is that balance in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it tells you, it tells yeah. you both sides of that throughout the Bible. And we and do I have think, to be
2: lead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, no. And, what, and do so also
2: I, have to be leaders as well. And I do want to say that because well, I, I had a one, group yeah. of Ben's friends around me, and they were talking about how in their school, their their teachers are always talking about sex and drugs. I mean, because he goes to an art school. And I had to have a serious talk with these kids because, and I don't want to get into all that, but I said, we're like, meaning like their plays that they're doing always deal. And I said, why are they doing that? Like, why? And they said, they're just trying to like, be cool. I think to be like, to show us that they're like us. And I said, but at what point is someone not teaching you? Yeah. Like, I get it. Cause the, one of the teachers like, well, well I know you're going to do drugs anyway. And I know you're going to have sex anyway. So why don't we, this or that? I said, but what point isn't someone not setting the bar? Sure. We can know teenagers are going to do this, this, and that. But at what point are we not setting a bar of a goal to attain to? And that's where I think that's where it ties in, Carolyn, with what you're saying. We need to like not set a bar like be like me, but live that example of saying, yeah, I know you're going to behave like that, but that's not the end goal. This is the goal you should be going for. Sorry. And
0: I think if you really are, uh, are, you have that spirit inside of you. Yeah. As even as a child, if that, a child to say, if you're able to foster that spirit in that child, they will be set free in the way that the character in the movie is set free. I mean, I think they will be so confident in in and of themselves because that's what the spirit does. It sets you free. And that was my last point, Jenny. I think to, uh, to Hank's other point, we just, we have to be, I think it was Hank, we have to be another voice. We have to be the voice. Yes. So you don't like what that voice is saying? Well, go out and be another voice. That means go out and make another movie. You, yeah. you can make a movie, you know, like you may not, you may not be able to make a Disney, Pixar budget movie, but you can make a movie, mm-hmm. you know, so go out and be another voice. Missy Robertson played an important part in her family's record-breaking reality television series for 11 seasons on A&E's Duck Dynasty. Despite that increased publicity on her family and her life, she has managed to become a strong voice for morality and virtue both locally and globally. To that end, Missy has recently released her latest book, Because You're My Family. Please welcome to the show Missy Robertson. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. We we have grown up watching you and your family for <laughs> such a long time. At least I have. Um, so it's a pleasure to get to speak with you. And I would love to talk about your book. So let's Thank start you. there. Can you give people just a little bit of a summary of this book? It's geared to children. And then how family and children can kind of grow together in this book a little bit.
4: Sure, this book, Because You're My Family is the ninth book in a series from Brave Books and it takes you kind of on a journey with some of the same characters. So by the time you get to my book, Because You're My Family, it stars little Valor, who is a tiger and his parents are lions and that's addressed in another book that's previous about adoption. But he gets up one morning and he you know, wants to go about his day doing fun things that he thought was already Mm -hmm. planned for him. And his mom quickly uh, thwarts all of that because she forgets and then tells him he's got to go do a chore because Mrs. Buddy down the street just had a baby and they're going to, they're going to gather carrots and make her a carrot cake. So an act of service. And he is not real happy about that (laughs) because um, he wanted to play with his crazy uncle Moby. Some of us have crazy uncles in our family, but I won't say who that might be. But he goes out with um, not so much of a cheerful heart, gathers those carrots and then just gets angrier and angrier as the day goes on because of his own selfish ambition, basically, and ends up dumping those carrots into a ditch and realizes what he's done and hides he runs as far away as his little yard will take him. And the storms come and his parents end up looking for him and at the end of the day end up saving his life from a from a devastating tragedy is what could have happened. Right. Bring him back into the warmth environment of their home and their kitchen. And this is where the conversation takes place between little Valor and his father. And little Valor says why did you save me when all i've done today is pout and disobey and this is the key when the father says i don't love you because you obey me i love you because you're my son and there's nothing that can ever change that that is the whole crust of the book it mirrors obviously our relationship to the father and how he loves us unconditionally but then it goes on and talks about that there is responsibilities so he has to apologize to his mother and go and regather the carrots and do that chore. And so afterwards, he realizes that he should be grateful for the love of his family. And he tells his parents, I want to love you the way you love me. And he starts a life of sacrifice for them. Obviously, again, mirroring our faith and our reaction to Christ and what he did for us.
2: Sounds like such a fun story and a wonderful way to convey God's love you know, and unconditional love, which, you know, really is what the story focuses on that unconditional love between um, parents and their kids. And it's very important that kids do understand that. I don't know if every child does understand that. And I know that in some situations, um, perhaps parents don't behave in a way that a child feels unconditionally loved. And I think they might associate that with the father's love, you you know, our heavenly father at some point in their life. So it's very important, I think, that kids understand this unconditional love concept that comes from a father. But I love that you tied in that the child or the, or valor, the, the tiger wants to have that same unconditional love as well. So that the, the, the children, you know, can understand that we can express that same kind of unconditional love. And, and that's so important because it is God's commandment that we love each other, no matter what, that we forgive each other 70 times seven. Um, but, you know, love and what that looks like and discipline and what that looks like sometimes struggle going hand in hand. And I know that sometimes where parents struggle, they feel like, well, you know, I won't discipline them because they'll think I don't love them. Or if a child's disciplined, they'll go, you don't love me because you discipline me. And yet we know that the Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So could you just kind of elaborate on how You could suggest parents do that better.
4: Sure. I think that that is a big part of the reason why this book was actually written, because, yes, we know that the Lord unconditionally loves us, but we know it because he tells us so in Scripture. He doesn't just go about telling us what the consequences are of our bad behavior and what we should expect and the punishment that we're going to have because of it, which is a lot of times what we as parents get caught up in is the punishment, the day to day activities, the discipline, the yelling, the all of the stuff that goes on with having um, a child who disobeys. We might have one child, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, if you, Most parents will have one that usually acts out a lot versus one who's more compliant. Sometimes you get caught up. In over and over and over. And it just seems like a never ending cycle of disciplining and punishing. And you forget. It's so hard to to remember to stop and convey the message of love. We just automatically assume that our children love us or we throw it in at night. Good night. I love you. See you in the morning. And What does that actually mean? A child might really need to hear that. I wish if I could go back, I wish I would have told them in a more meaningful way over and over and over again. But some parents just don't think about that and we don't say it often enough. And so this book is such an easy way to be able to talk about that that unconditional love that you have for your child. We automatically know that we assume that. Do they? Do they even understand what the word unconditional means? Probably not. We just throw that out there because we understand it. So in order to actually let them understand what that means, like give them scenarios, ask them questions, do activities. Oh, we also have that in the back of the book. So that will help parents because even though it's a cute little story, it has a simple message with a very deep and lifelong meaning for a child. You want your child to understand unconditional love, but the activities and the questions and all of the games and stuff that are in the back of the book will help further that discussion and make it fun for your kids to understand all of that.
0: Another big part of as you mentioned at the beginning, was that cheerful heart. And I think kids and adults alike struggle with this one of being always yes. even, even serving with a cheerful heart. So how can you speak to how Christians are supposed to be sort of set apart as those with a cheerful heart and how do parents help to instill that cheerful heart in their kids?
4: Well, I will say that when I was in high school, we had a football coach that also taught our Bible classes. I went to a private Christian school and he would tell us in high school, act your way into a better way of thinking. Don't think your way into a better way of acting. And so that's where us as adults, parents, teachers, uh, authority figures, that's where we come in as the adults in the children's life. We have to train them. It's not automatically about how you feel about something. Little Valor did not want to do it. But guess what? He had to do it anyway. And just because we don't want to doesn't mean we can just get out of it. We can't rely on that cheerful heart, but if we train our children to do it and then we take them like to see the results. So when you, like in Little Valor's case, take them to see Mrs. Bunny down the street and see how you're actually helping her. She can't get out of bed. She just had a baby. So it's not just about the, the tasks and task oriented at hand. It's actually showing them the results of that, help them understand with their heart and their mind, how that that is going to help them and how that to help them serve and to be a better Christian, to be a better citizen and a better neighbor and friend.
2: I love that you address um, family service and servicing other people. Um, and, and you talk about that in your book, family service activities, uh, dealing with sticky notes um, can you just kind of share a bit about that? Yeah, well, I'm kind of a
4: visual, I'm more of a visual person. And if somebody tells me something, I'm going to forget it. But if I can visualize it or write it down, I'm, I'm a, a music person as well. And I've learned to sing and to play by looking at sheet music and sight reading. And I can memorize almost exactly where it is on a page in order to help me. And so that's when I thought about doing those sticky notes. If we can write it down and stick it in front of us and stick it in front of other members. Members of our family, there's always going to be those ones that remind the other ones in our family that they haven't done theirs yet or that their, their sticky note hasn't shown up. It's almost like it's a it's a group task, but it's it was put in there to help encourage each other and to hold each other accountable, but more in a fun way.
0: And there are different categories of the service and they can kind of interact. That's, as you yes. mentioned, the great part of the book is that there's all these activities where you, you can now take the lessons of the book. And, and enhance them even further.
4: Whenever you read a really good children's book, the, the kids say, well, is that it? Is that the end? I want more. Where's, where's the next story? And so here it's like, oh, well, there, there is more to the story, but we get to talk about it and we can discuss it and make it up. And so let's talk about how we can make this story better. And that's what actually helps um, in the interaction with your kids. But it, I mean, it can be done for all in one night, which would be a long night. There's quite a few activities you can choose from and questions, but you could also just make it like a week uh, where you can focus on this one topic of unconditional love. Like let's just take one week Mm -hmm. out of this month and uh, next month or next week. And let's say this is the week that we are really going to harp on. What does love mean? And what does the love mean inside of our family, inside of our home? And then how can we show love outside of our home when we get back tonight Let's discuss how we showed it outside of our home. Make it part of life. This right. is what it is. Love encompasses everything. Yeah. It's, it gives mercy. It gives forgiveness. It's compassion. Everything that you're seeing not played out on the news right now and right. on social media platforms. And so how can we combat what we see in the world versus what the Bible teaches us? We have to start in our homes. There is no doubt about it. We yeah. cannot rely on the school system, on the government, on anyone else out there to feed into our children what we know, what Christian value system is. It has to be done in our homes.
2: But speaking of parenting, I do want to go back to you mentioned that this story of valor is also kind of this the story of an adoption because the white He's a white tiger that's adopted by two lion parents. And, and I love that. My sister uh, has adopted. Uh, of course, we know uh, in the full-life family about our producer, Steve, who has adopted beautiful children. Can you share with us our, uh, your experience with adoption uh, with your daughter and why that was important to add to the story?
4: It was important because I think um, adoption comes in many different forms. If you look at the family unit, God structured that. Um, and he also incorporated adoption into his salvation plan. Gentiles were not originally part of that. And right. he grafted us into that salvation plan. Yeah, that we are adopted. <laughs> yes, we yeah. are adopted. Thank the Lord. Yeah. So, you know, and some of us may be adopted in at a very young age when we first learn about right from wrong. And we first learn about the Lord and want to dedicate our life to him. Others may be along in their journey and have really complicated and shameful pasts. With our daughter, Karina, she was 18 when we got her. So she uh, officially, we don't have the paperwork with her with our last name given to her but she's ours. She's from Mm -hmm. Nicaragua. She was uh, abandoned and orphaned as a a very young child, but before the age of one as a baby. And her grandmother took her in and raised her. And then she worked her way out of Nicaragua and went to an international high school in Germany and won honors, graduated with honors. While she was there, her grandmother passed away when she was 16, completely, totally alone went home to Nicaragua and the unrest in 2018 came about. She got a full ride scholarship to a college here in Minnesota. Never been to America, only had uh, knowledge of broken English, basically from learning that in Germany with other students. And we got a phone call from a pastor there who we work with in Nicaragua. And he said, can you keep her for about a month before she goes to college? We thought, sure, we have extra room. And she got here. And over that month, we fell in love with her. She fell in love with us. We learned her story and we became her parents in every sense of the word. She's ours. So she now has siblings. She and my daughter, Mia, are just like sisters. They laugh and play and fight and bicker just like sisters do. And they love each other. So, so much. And it has been such a blessing for us. I know it was a blessing for her, but now we have her and she's blessed us in ways that we never would have expected.
0: Wow. What a beautiful testament. And I I, I think I read recently, you also are back in the newborn phase as well. Is that true? (laughs) Right now we are. Yes,
4: (laughs) we are. We are brand new grandparents of a three month old baby girl who is precious and beautiful and amazing. Thank you. Um, So we were reintroduced (laughs) to that infant world, but then um, a little less than, well, actually three weeks ago today, we got a phone call that um, a girl that we had previously helped with in some ministry a few years ago had given birth to a baby and signed him over to me. So um, we had not seen or talked to her for a few years and I wasn't quite sure exactly what we should do, but Mm -hmm. my husband said, we definitely need to step in and help, right? Whatever we can do. And at that moment, it meant taking him in. We brought him home from the hospital. And we have him right now. And we're just kind of in the in-between. He's three weeks old and uh, is precious. And he has been a major blessing to us. We know we're blessing him with safety and security and love. He's being loved on like crazy. Uh, But we are um, waiting. We are waiting, totally, completely submitting to what the Lord has in store for him and that's not been the easiest part of this journey for sure.
0: Yep. Yeah, well, <laughs> as as we can all attest, that that submission is no, yeah. never yeah. the easiest well, especially part. Especially
2: when you're dealing with a three week old baby who yes. I mean, it's very time, you know, that, that's that's tough to be thrown into that suddenly.
4: Yes. I mean,
2: I'm struggling with a 12 week old dog. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I know the, uh, that's a lot of it. It's a huge commitment. So we'll be praying for you and the decisions in that arena and how God guides your steps as you wait on him? Well, you
4: know, when it came down to it, I was literally doing what I'm doing with you with someone else. And when the phone call came Mm -hmm. and I told the mother, when I got to meet her that night and talk to her and hear her heart, I said, I'm actually talking and preaching about unconditional love. This Mm -hmm. is what it looks like. I love you. You know, you've had a hard path. You've chosen some difficult things but I love you and we're going to help you. And so it's not just about the unconditional love of blood family or adopted family in your home. It's about the unconditional love of the family of God and how we help each other. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just sometimes it, the unexpected calls. I had someone say, you know, uh, uh, if you're listening now and you feel called to do this, yeah, I thought, whoa, whoa, even if you don't feel called, I I didn't feel called to do this, right. but I was called. So then what yes. happens when you are walking in the lie and you are praying for the Lord to use you all of the time, that praying that unconditional prayer of ministry, Lord, looking for opportunities, it, it would be really hard to say, nah, not this one.
2: <laughs> right. So, so
4: yeah, so yeah. that's, um that the decision was easy the steps after that have not been quite
0: so easy yeah thank you for your example and as jenny said we'll be praying for you again i want to promote the book it's called because you are my family and please connect with missy robertson online through her social media channels missy where can they get this book
4: They can go exclusively to bravebooks.us. And if they subscribe to the whole series, because like I said, this is the ninth book. If you subscribe to the whole series, you get my book for free.
0: Well, that sounds like a deal. Thank you again, Missy, for joining us and go out and get the book and teach your families. We're the first teachers in our family. So go out and teach all of our families how to love unconditionally so that we may in turn teach others how to love unconditionally and truly live out our commission to love. We'll see you next time on The Full Life.